Hey everybody, welcome to the Picky Bookworm podcast. I get together with authors and writers and readers and human beings where we get to talk about books and life and all sorts of things. So if you're interested in hearing my talk with T.B. Wayne today, then grab a cup of tea and keep listening. Have a great day. Okay, so real quick, I am super curious. What does TB sure. stand for? TB? Yes. Your That's, initials. That's uh, initials of my name. <laughs> that you don't want to share. Got it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't very creative when I, I came up with a pen name that I'm using. Um, I had a couple of people that I reached out to that recommended I use one to start this. And um, I thought that way I could just kind of keep my authorship aside from my actual current job and career and some of the stuff that I do. Um, okay. I'm a certified forensic interrogator and a handwriting analyst. So I do interrogations on thieves and sometimes you don't want them to know who you are. I, I completely understand that. Um, okay. So what kind of books do you write? So I just wrote my first one. It is uh, what I would call grimdark. That's its genre. It is a, uh, a post-apocalyptic dystopian dark fantasy that has elements of magic and dystopian society and some science with AIs and nanites that don't get shown until near the end that kind of explain my magic system is completely nanite based. Oh, nice. So it's a little bit of everything. Nice. Sounds like a book I need to read. Um, I, I love books like that. Dystopian books. Um, the first like dystopian book, I guess I can say I ever read was, um, A Wrinkle in Time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even, that's, it kind of sort of counts as dystopian because of the planet that they end up on, uh, right. through going through the Tesseract. Have you ever read it? Yes. Okay. Um, and so the, the world that they end up on, um, is kind of reminds me of a dystopian, must conform type world. So that's like, right. that's really the first book I can think of that, that I read that was dystopian based. Um, but I have, I have really grown to love the genre and, you know, especially in movies, TV shows, books, um, you know, basically anything that says it's um, a dystopia or post-apocalyptic. I'm like, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. Um, so what are you currently reading? Uh, I just finished reading uh, Richard Wall's Near Death. He's an indie author I actually made friends with. And um, he's an old military guy like me, so we had a lot in common. And his genre is completely off anything I've ever read before. But he kept using this. My family's all from Appalachia. And he kept using this line that really... I just felt it in my bones. Um, I love books like that. In, in, his, in his advertisements. So I went ahead and uh, read the book. And I actually, I travel every week for work. And I, I fell asleep on the bed with my Kindle on my face because I wouldn't put the book down. It was pretty good. <laughs> I, I have read books like that. I, um, I recently, um, and I mentioned it in my podcast episode last week, uh, how much I just loved this book and how much I, it was so hard for me to put down. Um, again, it's not really in a genre that I will typically read. It's not one that I gravitate towards, but it's not one that I hate. Um, but it's called Unexpected Enemy by Tim Cagle. And okay. he is, he's an indie author that I made friends with. Um, the Twitter world is amazing for that. And um, he sent me a copy of his book and I, he can put John Grisham to shame. Wow. I, I know that's, that's, that's odd to say because John Grisham is like the king of the legal thrillers. This book was legal, conspiracy, medical malpractice, uh, secrets, lies, you know, like everything in this one book and it it was like that it was so hard to put down and it 
you know, I think part of it really, really, really spoke to me because the, the main character, um, don't remember what her name is. Um, but she had spent years having fertility issues and had finally been able to get pregnant through IVF. Yeah. Well, my husband and I just went through the same thing and I'm pregnant oh. now. And so reading that didn't give me the nightmares I expected, you know, cause yeah. Um, you know, cause you, you always, you think of, you know, pregnant women, they read something and then they start having dreams about that happening to them. Luckily that did not happen, but yeah, I loved, I loved that book so much. It was, you know, the, the main character, she and her husband, as I mentioned, are, they're going through serious fertility issues. <clears throat> She's finally able to get pregnant through IVF and she goes into premature labor and when she gives birth to the baby, the baby is black. But she and her husband are white. And so this, yeah, so this starts a whole, a, um, of, you know, well, the, did the doctor use the wrong sperm? Did the nurse mess up the process? Did the, you know, and it's like this whole big thing of what happened, you know? Right. And this, this woman, she's like, you know, she gave birth to this child. So this is her child. So she's, you know, it's not about color. It's not about, you know, I'm mad because my baby's black. It's, I'm mad because somebody messed up. <laughs> right. It's not my DNA. It's supposed to be my DNA in this process. And, you know, well, it was hers, but the sperm that they, yeah, it was her egg, but the sperm that they used was wrong. Was even that right, though? And so it's, you know, you don't truly, I mean, he's really good at giving away a tidbit here and then he'll give away a tidbit over here and you don't really find out everything until the end of the book. And so it's, it's very much a roller coaster. It's like up and down and do I really know what's going on? And it's, yeah, it's amazing. And I loved the book and I highly recommend it if you, especially if you enjoy legal thrillers. And okay. I'm going to stop talking with my hands anytime soon. <laughs> Sorry, my husband's Italian, so I've learned to talk with my hands. You gotta use them. You gotta use them. <laughs> so what is your, is your book published? Is it out? Yes, it's out on Amazon. Um, did you go the did you go the self published or did you go the traditionally published route? I self published. I started writing my book on August seventh of twenty twenty, based on a, a show I watched at night, and uh, I published November first. Nice. And that was a great turn. Yeah, I just didn't want to waste the time um, looking for an agent and then doing all the forms. Amazon gives you the ability to to just get it out there and yeah. I used some uh, some editing of my own. I used editing software. I have a friend that's an editor. Uh, I paid an artist who's amazing. Um, and I just told my story. And there's going to be five more books in the series. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, so as a self-published author, mm -hmm. what is something that you would tell another author who wants to get their get their book out just to do it um when i was in college in 96 i had an english composition professor pull me after class and she uh she wanted to know first she told me that the, the assignment you wrote was great it was fantastic uh, but being a uh, a marine i doubt you could have written it so i need to know who you stole it from oh no and for some reason, I was doing really well in the beginnings of my career at that point. Um, I just quit writing. I was done. I didn't like being questioned. I didn't like writing for me is very personal. It's very uh, vulnerable. And I don't like being vulnerable. Um, I don't know if it's because of the military or I moved 13 times before I graduated high school. So I put up a shell. I don't know what the, maybe it's a combination. But for me, writing was very personal and that that question that challenge that was mine i put my heart into that assignment and yeah. i was good 
I just never wrote again until I was 50, almost 50. And my wife and I were watching a show about villains on Netflix. And I asked myself, you know, does Sauron know he's the bad guy? And if he is, does he, does he think he's the bad guy? And that kind of was the catalyst for me writing. Um, I had the story in my head because I created the main character in 86 playing Dungeons and Dragons. It was a lawful evil drow fighter mage. Um, and he was my way of getting back at all the bullies. I'm five foot three, um, moved every, every year seemed like, so I had a lot of bullies in my life and he was the guy who didn't get bullied. So I had the story in there. I wrote it in about seven weeks and published it with Amazon because I wanted my story out there. It demanded it in my head. I couldn't stop. Yeah. Well, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your words. Um, one of the uh, one of the things that Cass Thompson and I talked about last week was one how vulnerable it is to write your words, but another was how much we have grown to prefer the indie genre of books and the indie mm -hmm. books and the self-published authors because you guys didn't write for your audience you wrote for yourself you wrote because you had a story that needed to be told and there's so many authors Stephen King um Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that out loud. Um, <laughs> that they, yes, write good stories and they write good books, but they have to answer to somebody that says, your audience will not read this. Your audience will not like this. You must change this. Your audience won't read this. And for self-published and indie published authors, there isn't as much of that worry there. No, I agree with that completely. My story is very dark. It's um, even the title of the first three books are are designed to show how dark it's progressing to get. It, it's not for everybody. It's, the first one's a foreshadowing of darkness, and I don't think a publisher would necessarily want to publish my book with what I have in there. It's it's designed to be so ugly that you understand why the main character is making the bad moral choices he's making to stop a monster. He just doesn't realize he's becoming a monster on the way. Wow. So what is the title of that book? A Foreshadowing of Darkness. A Foreshadowing of Darkness. Okay. Because, yeah, I think I might need to read it. Um, definitely check it out. It sounds intriguing. Um, so... Um, so you live in Orlando. I do. Correct. Um, my husband and I went to Orlando for our honeymoon. Do you guys get to go to like Walt Disney a lot or Universal? We did when we, did when we first moved here. The kids were around 10-ish and we, uh, we spent a lot of time. We would, every year we'd buy a different season pass to a different park. But having been here, my son's about to graduate high school and my daughter's a sophomore. They're not as interested in going to the parks anymore. Aww. I think the only one truly heartbroken by that is my wife. She's a bit of a Disney fanatic. So why don't you and your wife go to Disney? Uh, we go to Epcot, <laughs> things like that. Oh, my God. Epcot is on my bucket list. I want so bad to go to Epcot. Um, a, yeah, they my, have a wine and food festival that if you can time it right, that's the one to go to. It's fantastic. I Yeah, I think they were. My husband and I went in November, and I think Epcot was having something like that. Um, but we just, we weren't able to swing the tickets. Um, yeah. we, we went to Universal and that just kind of tapped us out. Um, we had a great time at Universal though. I, I have, <laughs> I have some, I have some really great memories of Universal and then I have some really not so great memories of Universal. Um, I have a, I have a thing about, I don't mind being a pie, but I have a thing about falling from heights. So like jumping off a high dive into a pool scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I'm not a fan of heights either. And so there were a couple of the rides that we went on that they were simulators, 
So I was perfectly safe on the ground, but yet I'm being dropped out of a building and I'm being dropped off the moon. <laughs> Not it's really funny. a fan of that. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Um, about 10 years ago, I was traveling on a business trip and every year I would put up the Christmas lights because my wife would do it if I didn't. And we tease her because she's a, a bit clumsy, butterfingers or nothing. So I got home and um, the gutter was bent. And I got in, I was like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How, what happened to the gutter? Oh, I fell off the roof. She put the Christmas lights up and halfway through fell and ended up hanging from the gutter and had to do this acrobatic leap into an air because the ladder fell underneath it. And um, yeah, so every year I make sure that I get the Christmas lights up early now so <laughs> the wife doesn't roll off the roof. Yeah, I, in a lot of ways, I am very graceful. I am not as graceful. I'm really rather clumsy now that I'm pregnant. Um, I drop things all the time. It's, it's not even that I fall. Like I haven't even fallen. I just, I will pick something up or I will knock something off the table or it's, yeah, I just total butterfingers. Yeah. I think we lost half our dishes when my wife was pregnant. Oh my God. I hope we don't lose any dishes. I have pretty dishes. I don't want to lose any of my dishes. Put them away. Put but them away. I, but I am telling you, like, the remote, we finally had to tape the battery thing, the, the lid on the battery, because I have dropped the remote or knocked it off the couch about 15 to 20 times in the past two weeks. Wow. Just randomly, I will be looking for it, and I'll move my hand, and it will just fall on the floor. And I'm like, okay. So, yeah, that's starting early. That's great. Um, so, what, I think of a really good question that will spark a wonderful discussion. What book do you think you will read next and why? I have so many stories in my head right now. I'm probably going to hold off doing any major reading. Um, I've got the entire storyline for the next five books written out. I'm halfway through book two. And then two days ago, um, I had sudden inspiration for a a completely new series, open-ended urban fantasy um, that I just started writing. So I'm going to be writing both series simultaneously, um, trying to get them both out. Um, And it came out of nowhere. I, I don't know how to describe it except that imagine if Ragnarok wasn't the end. And in, in the Edda, in the Norse mythology, they say that the world's going to start over again. Well, imagine if it didn't start over the way we think, but is in fact all the Norse gods are being reborn into human bodies. And as they get closer, it's kind of like the quickening in Highlander. They come to recognize each other and identify with each other. So in my prologue i have thor who in this incarnation is a six foot six african-american man with icy blue eyes i have heimdall i have heimdall who is a red-haired female (laughs) and a uh japanese man is tear using a katana the god of justice and they're looking for other members of the norse pantheon who are being reborn and I got the inspiration partially from The Who, the album, uh, Wolf Totem. I don't know if you've seen the video, but they're Mongolian rock band guys, and they're riding Harleys across the Mongolian plain. And I thought, they just look like they're ready to go fight. So in my book, the series, this is going to be uh, Valhalla Reborn. Um, they are going to be in, a, in kind of a biker gang, and the opponent, the enemy is going to be the Fenris wolves who are going to be a werewolf group. So it's all kind of starting to come together, but that's, I'm going to try to write the the two simultaneously. And Loki's going to be the hero of, or the main character, I guess, of this series, the troublemaker. Yeah. Loki's, Loki's cool. I, he wasn't my favorite in the Avengers movies, but he, I used to read Norse mythology so much when I was a kid and 
Loki was my favorite and I'm I can't even really explain why because I'm not a troublemaker like I've never met a rule I didn't like <laughs> I I'm just I'm very much a goody two-shoes and but you know and maybe that's why I appreciated and respected his ability to deliberately not follow the rules and just kind of live his the live the way he wanted to and um you know, that's not the way that I choose to live my life, but I respect that ability to not worry so much about following the rules and just live, yeah. live your own life. Well, there was an interesting discussion by a professor online about why uh, the Norse gods put up with Loki. And his hypothesis was boiled down to the, the Norse gods tended to act to rule all the time. They, they acted to their character all the time. And most of them were honorable, straightforward guys. But when they got in trouble and they had a problem that they couldn't solve, they needed a bastard. They needed somebody who didn't follow the rules and would think outside the box. And that's what Loki was for. And so that's kind of going to be put into the story that I'm going to write as well. Sometimes you just need a bastard. <laughs> Sometimes you do. Um, okay, so so nothing, nothing planned to read. I've got, to, I've got too much. I've got to get out. I gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I have. I am not an author. Um, I, I'm really good at like being a bouncing board for authors. Mm -hmm. If they need, you know, ideas or fleshing out of ideas, I would make an amazing book coach. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, and I did learn coach. that is actually a thing to be a book coach. I did learn that. Um, but I, you know, I, so I'm not, I'm not good at coming up with my own ideas. I'm really good at helping others flesh out theirs. Um, but I love reading other authors' stories. That is, that is one of, you know, and especially the indie books that, you know, I wouldn't have really considered my favorite until I joined the writing community on Twitter. Mm. And... You know, that's where I've met pretty much everybody that's guests on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I really you know, from Twitter. Um, but I, you know, when I started my book blog and started reading authors and, you know, started getting emails saying, hey, can you read my book? And, you know, started actually making friends with them. You know, the indie authors and the indie books that I have come across are my favorites. Like, I, I'm i not sure that I could find a mainstream book that affected me as much as Unexpected Enemy or made me fall in love with a character as much as Ascension of the Phoenix. Um you know, both are, both are indie books. They were given to me by authors. Um, and I, I don't think that I could go back to reading mainly mainstream books ever again. Yeah. You know, I, I think that I have found, you know, and I mentioned on Twitter yesterday, I have found my tribe when it comes yeah. to, the writing community on Twitter, you know, I have found my people and there's something to that. I think, I think what you're saying is, is right. You know, that the, the group of people that I've gotten to know and meet online, whether it's Twitter or TikTok or whatever area you're, you're trying to develop your community in. I think the indie author community is really supportive. They're really helpful. Um, they're engaging. They're there to talk. They, I think a lot of us, you said it earlier, something to the effect of they're, they're not there just to, to tell a story. We're, we're telling something that has to get out. We're telling some, we want to tell our stories. We're not just there to sell books. 
Right. We love to read. We love to, to write. And we're just trying to share that. And the community has been really supportive. I've learned so much from a lot of people online, um, yeah. especially in Twitter. Um, even more recently with uh, TikTok, I've, I've branched out. But um, it just it's, it's a very welcoming group of people. And they... You know, a rising tide raises all boats, and they're 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 very supportive. They're not there to denigrate you or hurt you. They'll retweet your stuff. They'll talk to people. Um, P.L. Stewart, in my opinion, is one of the best human beings on the planet, and he has embraced me from the beginning and helped me. He, he read my book. He did a review. He didn't just write a paragraph. That man wrote an essay. And every, every day he's out there talking to people and thanking people and sharing other people's ads so that, you know, you can build your own following. He's a great human being. Is that, he's a community. Did you say P.L. Stewart? Yeah, he's a good okay. dude. Okay. Um, any of my listeners, go follow this guy because apparently he's awesome. Um, I will have to I will have to hunt him down as well. Um, yeah, I I have really noticed a lot of the support. I've noticed a couple of bad apples, if you will. Um, you know, there's I've always had, a few. there's always going to be a few and you know, that's what the block button is for. I, <laughs> I had to, I had to block a girl last week or the week before, um, because she basically tagged me in an ad for her book. And I, I, she was following me. I had never seen her before in my life. I wasn't following her. I didn't even know she existed and she's tagging me in an ad for her book. So I very nicely commented and said, please don't tag me in an ad for your book. And authors, I mentioned this last week. Don't do that. Just, just don't. It's, (laughs) it's disrespectful in my opinion and you know you want to market yourself first if you are marketing your book market yourself first um a really especially in our community yes exactly you know and a really good example of that is uh laura quinn uh, when she first published oil and water um she published under her married name i believe laura dominic and she went on Twitter and before she published, she made friends with people and commented and retweeted and, you know, built that following of people and marketed herself so that when her book came out, people are more likely to read it because they have met you. They like you, hopefully. And, um, you know, they're willing to support you because you're an awesome human being. Well, one of the one of the coolest things off of that that you just said is because we are a small community because we do talk so much when they do read your book and then somebody will tweet at you or send you a DM and say hey I just read your book and I'm curious about such and such they there's a comfort level where you could approach like I wouldn't feel comfortable reaching out to Terry Brooks or Mark Lawrence and saying hey why did you write this character like that but because of our approachability and mm-hmm. the fact that we are who we are, the people that are reading your fans can actually reach out and talk to you and you can have conversation and develop relationships, which builds roots into what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and this poor girl, she, you know, I very nicely just commented and, you know, said, please don't tag me in an ad for your book. <clears throat> and, you know, it's like when it comes, you know, I was like, I haven't met you before. When it comes to marketing, you want to market yourself first. Well, this poor girl basically accused me of being racist. <laughs> and it like it went real bad real fast. And you know, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, how how? And so, you know, I, you know, this poor girl, I ended up having to block her because it, it, did. it went real bad real quick. And I'm like, I ain't got time for this. But for the most part, the authors and the other book bloggers and the book podcasters and the, you know, all of the wonderful, wonderful people that make up our community are amazing people. 
And I am so thankful every single day because my, my husband, not a reader. He, yeah, my wife's not either. My he, wife still hasn't read my book. <laughs> he will he will sit there and he will listen when I have a book I just have to talk about. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about giving him spoilers because I know he's not going to read the book. <laughs> you know, he hasn't even finished the, the two Walking Dead graphic novels I bought him like two years ago. You know, he's just, he's not a reader. Yeah. Um, and so to find such a wonderful group of people that, you know, I can tweet out, you know, hey, I am reading this really great book you know, review to come soon, you know, and have, you know, and have people just support that. And, you know, and another, when I tweeted out the other day that I want to start a candle business, work from home, and I am going to name my candles after indie books. Mm. And... I, I am very, very, very excited. It's going to take me a bit to get all of the supplies together that I need in order to do this. But the, the level of support and excitement that I got for that was absolutely wonderful. And I could not... If you create a candle off of my books, you're going to have to make sure it's a black candle that as it melts, it bleeds red. I'm not sure that's po- I'm not sure that's possible. I have faith in you. <laughs> a black candle that bleeds. I it would have to be. I don't know. So a center red cord. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work, but you know, and it would have to smell like something. I don't know, but I did find one scent that I just absolutely loved. Um, I haven't smelled it yet, but it's called Bonfire. And I'm like, okay, I need a really great book for that scent because it's gonna be like, like an underworld type scent. Yeah, is kind of what it strikes me as. So, yeah, I'm I'm super excited to work on this, and you know, give authors, you know, because one of my favorite things as a book blogger, and I'm totally changing the subject, is that I get to help authors. And I get to help the indie authors and the self-published authors that don't necessarily get a ton of eyes on their books. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason, you know, I had my reasons for starting the candle business are twofold. One, I need something that I can do from home. I want to work from home. I am, I know I've mentioned before, like a million times, I am pregnant and I'm due later this year. Um, and I don't want to raise my kids in daycare. It's, it's just not something that appeals to me. And so I, I want something that I can do from home, but I also wanted something that I could do to help authors because that is my dream. That is what I want to do with my time is help authors and help, you know, and so you know, by creating a candle that matches the theme and the feel of somebody's book that they can light and read the book while they're smelling the candle and just kind of have that immersive feeling while to read their book just makes me happy. (laughs) You know, there's there's a few of us that sell uh, signed copies on websites. So you could partner with them and sell your candles and their signed copy of a book together as a package. Oh, that is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. see? You're making, you're making the relationships now. Um, people, I, I just sold my first signed copy on my website later, but think if you had an add-on where you could tie your candle into that purchase, the foreshadowing of darkness candle with <laughs> the book, that would, that would be good for you and the author. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that is that is a very see, and I'm telling you the level of support that I have been getting <laughs> for this Rising candle thing. Tips, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we support each other, 
we can all be successful. There's, there's no shortage of people who want to read books. There's no shortage of people who want that immersive experience. When I wrote my book, the, the one thing I wanted is I wanted you to sink into it. I wanted you to just go, wow, and be there. Well, your candle idea only adds to that immersive experience. So why wouldn't you, as an author, want that? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, I was, you know, I, it just, it made me so happy because it was not only these authors going, oh, make one out of my, make one out of my book, make one out of my book, but they're also, you know, hey, this is how you can market. This is how, you know, you could do this and, you know, and I already have a plan that when, um, when I make a candle for a, for an author's book, that author is going to get a free candle. Oh, that's cool. And so that they can one, make sure it smells right. And two, and two be able to add that when they're marketing their book and say, you know, Hey, I have this book over here. And then, Hey, if you want that truly immersive feeling, there's a candle over here that matches the, the feel of my book light it while you're reading the book and you know it'll so it's just it's been such an amazing supportive experience that I honestly was not really expecting it to be that level of amazing support you know I was expecting a little bit of you know hey that'd be great that's a great idea and I got like so much (laughs) in yeah. response that you know I actually got a little overwhelmed and was like okay how am I going to make this work because there's like 300 authors now I can't make yeah. 300 candles at once so but that's just confirmation for what we were talking about the, the level of support from this community it's yeah, just a great absolutely. I yeah and I don't think that I could I don't think that I could find that same like same sense of community elsewhere it's you know it's it's the you know i i tried on the whole instagram thing that did not work tried the facebook thing that did not work and you know but getting on twitter and just finding everybody was just it's been an absolutely amazing experience and I love it so much and I will stop talking about it now. <laughs> no, I, I, I was really pleased with Twitter and obviously we talked about marketing and trying to market your yourself and, and your book. Um, the TikTok thing has been, and maybe in your wheelhouse with doing the podcast, I was terrified to do a video where I spoke and, and talked on it. But you, you, I've built up followers on there twice as fast as I did on Twitter, and Instagram was a complete failure for me too. Um, but the the TikTok communities pretty similar to Twitter. I wouldn't say they're quite as supportive, um, but they're just as engaged, and it's got a dynamic all its own because of the video aspect of it. Probably stuff that you're experiencing with the podcast and the response from that. Um, so it's, it's, it was difficult for me at first. I remember sending out a note to you that I was nervous to do this. I actually think doing some of those videos helped me relax and be more comfortable for this. Well, that's good. Well, and nobody can actually see you. They can just hear you. So yeah. I'm the only one that can see you. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I... I this to them. Nobody wants to see me. <laughs> when I, yeah, when I decided to start this podcast, it had been, you know, in my head for a while and um you know i think i had i use anchor app um for my podcast and i think i had had the app on my phone for like a good two or three months before i recorded my first episode because i was so freaked at getting my voice out there you know it's i'm really great i'm really great at community not community, communicating, my mouth isn't working, communicating in writing. So mm-hmm. Twitter Twitter has been just perfect. Use my words, no big deal. Writing a blog has been great. Use my words. And, 
you know, when I decided to start the podcast at one point, I decided I just had to do it. It was, you know, and I recorded my first episode by myself. (laughs) I ended up deleting it. It was absolute utter garbage. I just kind of babbled and no, but what that did was it got that first episode jitters out of the way. And so when I finally decided on how I wanted my podcast to run, a lot of the inspiration that I got was from uh, Dax Shepard's podcast. Mm. And if you haven't listened to it, I absolutely love his podcast. Um, He has, you know, his his podcast is celebrities, of course, because those are the people that he knows, but they don't just talk about movies or TV shows. They talk about life and they talk about mental health and they talk about reading and writing and, you know, subjects are all over the place depending on who he's talking with. And that was a lot of the inspiration for my podcast because I, I wanted real people. I wanted authentic conversations, hence the no editing policy that I have. <laughs> because when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're going to make mistakes. You're, t- you're going to get tongue tied and you're going to, you know, things are going to happen. And, you know, I, so I wanted the, that authentic conversation and, So I got with my friend Esther, who lives in New York, and, you know, asked her, you know, hey, can you come on and, you know, just kind of be a little mini sidekick, little mini me for, you know, a podcast episode. I said, you know, we can just talk about reading and, you know, all of that. And so she, you know, we got on Google Meet and um, did the video chat thing and I just hit record and we had the greatest time just sitting there talking. And that was the catalyst for the layout of how I wanted my podcast to be. And I have, and I have found that people appreciate the authenticity of the conversations and you know, I am not one for small talk, so I prefer to just jump right into the deep conversations and, you know, and I think that that's something that people appreciate about this podcast is that it's real, it's authentic, it's, you know, fun because we get to talk about books and movies and, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks ago I um, visited with uh, Jared Conti and we talked about Stephen King and the Dark Tower series. For an hour. Um, I, I listened to that podcast. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not all just indie authors, but it's real people and readers and authors and writers and bloggers and, you know, just people that want to get on and just talk, which I think is fantastic. It's probably my favorite thing about doing the podcast is I get to talk to so many different types of people. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that we've gotten the deep conversation out of the way, what, what is the best part to you about the writing process? Um, for me, so you know how we were talking about immersion when you're, when you're a reader and you're reading a story and, and you're just there. You don't know what time it is. You don't, you're not hungry. You're just, you're in the story. For me, writing kind of takes over like that. And one of the most pleasant parts of the writing process for me was that I would just, something would happen. Something would click in, you know, in, in football, when they're playing a football game, they call it being in the zone. And the quarterback talks about just knowing he could hit every pass and knowing everything slows down. And for me, it was all of a sudden, I wasn't just writing the story. I was writing what I was seeing because I was there. 
I got immersed myself into this process and then it would take on a life of its own. Um, for me, one of the most exciting things about this first book was, was actually talking to my, um, my, the artist that drew my cover. She's from Romania. Her name is Thea Nicolescu. People are starting to recognize her work too, because they're, they're seeing it. She's the coolest person. Um, but I was asking her questions about Romanian folklore and mythology. And she started telling me this stuff. And all of a sudden, something clicked for me. I went online. I did a bunch of research really quick. And chapters 9 through 14 have all Romanian mythology in it. The Jadobi, the Giants, the the Yele, which are like sirens. Um, the Pricolici, which are like crab-like werewolves almost. They're real spindly. And then Baba Yaga. It was this whole middle portion of my book became about Romanian mythology just from one little conversation with someone. And it just it had a life of its own and it just took off. And I don't see Romanian mythology very much out there. You don't hear about it except for Dracula. That's all you hear. Um, so for me, the most exciting part is just how it it can it can build on its own and it can take you in directions you just never planned. It, and you kind of if you let it go. It, it can end up someplace pretty cool. Yep, that is very cool. Um, and you get to take other people on that trip with you, which I think is great. Um, and yeah, that's I think that's one of my one of my favorite things about reading is getting immersed in that story and in that world. Um, yeah. You know, I I read a book last last year, and I. <laughs> Pretty sure I have mentioned it every single podcast because it's, for me, it's the, the yardstick by which I determine what a genre is, um, or what genre a book would fit into. And this one, it, it impressed me so much because the author, uh, Randall McNally, again, hi, Randall. <laughs> I, I swear I mention this book every single time. Um, but he, he created his own world and he created his own mythology around a brand new pantheon of gods and goddesses. And it's, I mean, it just absolutely amazed me that, you know, I got to visit this world with him and I got to, you know, hate these gods right along with the people on the planet, whatever planet they were, Earth maybe. Um, I don't know, he never mentioned. But, you know, and I got to, I got to cheer along the heroes and I got to cry along with the heartbreak and, you know... you want as an author did you get to talk to him and tell him how you you hated those gods and you cheered and what was his oh, response to that? we were actually friends on twitter he's he's an indie author um which is why i'm saying hi randall because <laughs> he's probably gonna listen but um you know yeah i i got to follow him on twitter and i got to i got to tell him you know how much i loved his book and you know how you know i mentioned this book every single time on this podcast because it's, it's just, it's one of those books that, you know, if somebody says they like fantasy or somebody says they like dark fantasy um, or epic fantasy because the world is so huge, yeah. you know, it's the book takes place over thousands of miles of this world and over, I want to say the time period in the book is it kind of jumps back and forth, but I want to say it's around between 500 years and a thousand years okay. is, is the, the time period because the, um, the demigods, which they're not called demigods, they're called the shadowless. Um, they, you know, of course they're part God, so they don't age the way that we do. You know, they're not really considered grown ups until they're almost 200 years old. Um, and so when, you know, somebody says, you know, I like epic fantasy, I'm like, read this book. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I find myself 
recommending it so many times because it's that it's that book that just kind of sticks with you and you know it's one of those books that you just you have a hard time letting go of because it was so wonderfully written and so grand in scale yeah my my niece is my number one fan by far she's a, a sophomore in college right now and um I love it. She'll call me uh, as she was reading the first book and she called me one time in tears. Tio, I can't believe what I just read. And she would be so excited about it. And that, that reaction, just like you were talking about, you had for Randall's book, that reaction like filled me with something like an enthusiasm, uh, a validation that I was able to put those words down and they produced the reaction that I was looking for in that section. That's a great compliment to Randall's book. I'll pick it up just to read it now. But as an author, getting that reaction, that, that your words did do what you intended them to do is so fulfilling. Yeah, really the book is called Shadowless um, by Randall McNally. And again, I mention it every single time, but... It's, you know, he's going to get so many sales from this podcast, I swear. Um, because that's, you know, and I have, and it's not that I don't love all of the other books that I've read. Um, Ascension of the Phoenix by Jessica Pirro. Um, and, you know, I just finished Unexpected Enemy uh, by Tim Cagle. I'm reading The Witches of Vegas right now by Mark Rosendorf. That one is a very cute book. I'm really, really enjoying that one. Um, but it's, you know, Shadowless just has, because it's so grand of scale, it just, it has that ability to just stick with you. Yeah. And, you know, and it's written in multiple points of view, but you always know who, whose point of view you're, you're reading through. So yeah. it's, you know, when I first started reading it and started noticing the multiple points of view, I'm like, okay, this is going to get real confusing real, real fast. And it didn't, um, which I loved. Um, I read a, um, a book by Lisa Jewell, I think. Um, I'm not going to name the actual book, um, but the way that she wrote her multiple points of view in the book that I read completely turned me off any of her other books hmm. because I, I never knew. I mean, it would start a new point of view, but I wouldn't know until three pages later whose point, know, yeah. whose point of view I was reading through. And so that got real confusing and to the point that it's immersion though that when you don't know whose eyes you're looking through when you're reading it breaks the immersion and you have to start thinking yeah i don't want to think <laughs> right i get, totally you know, get it i i like my books to be smart you know like i i want to i want to have that feeling of not knowing everything that's going on but you know i don't want to have to concentrate so much to the point that it breaks the spell of the book. Yeah. You know, I, I want that spell to stay there, you know, and when, yeah. when I read Ascension of the Phoenix uh, by Jessica Pirro, hi Jessica. Um, again, she's, <laughs> she's a friend of mine on Twitter. Um, and, you know, when I read that book, you know, I think I was like four or five pages into the book and, you know, I'm like, okay, Layla is hashtag goals because she is freaking awesome, you know, and being able to fall in love with a character so quickly, yeah, that helps with the immersion as well. Right. You know, you want, you know, you want the reader to get sucked into your book right away. Um, you know, I had... I had a follower on Twitter um, send me a DM one day and said, you know, hey, I have this book and, you know, it's ready to be published, but I'm just trying to get people's opinions on whether the chapter one sucks you into the book 
well enough, you know, and if you have any feedback for me. And so, you know, I was like, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I, you know, so he sent me a copy of chapter of just the first chapter. And when I was done reading the chapter, I replied to him and was like, okay, I need this book. And I need to know what happens here because what? <laughs> and it was literally two pages, two typed pages, like in Word, that was chapter one. And just in that, in those two pages, he was able to create the questions that hopefully he'll answer in the rest of the book and, you know, create these situations where you're like, okay, I have to keep reading because I must know what's going on. You know, and it involved, you know, two people in wheelchairs and a woman petting a zebra. And it was, it was just weird enough that I'm like, okay, I have to know what's yeah. going on. I need this book. And, you know, so it's situations like that that are just so fun for me, especially, you know, when I get to talk with authors on Twitter and, you know, be able to give them feedback like that. That, is, that first look is important. I, I, I think that if you like the cover and you like the blurb and you start to read the book, if you don't hook them within that first 15 to 20 pages, you can lose them. Yeah. I, I start mine off with a fight. Mine, mine dropped right in. First line of my story, the first book is, um, it's easier to slice flesh than it is to stab into it. And I throw, <laughs> nice. and I throw you into a fight. <clears throat> nice. And you've got a rookie and two experienced people that I'm letting you see. And it, chapter one ends with the death of a, a little girl in front of the main character's eyes. And she's got green eyes. And those green eyes haunt him randomly throughout the rest of the book. You have to hook them right from the beginning. And then you take them back. You keep taking them back to that seminal moment so that they... They understand the motivation behind things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But if you don't look them, you're going to lose them. Yeah, and I had I had one book that I read recently that, you know, I had tweeted out a while back that, you know, hey, I'm so excited. I haven't read a bad book yet this year. And then I read this book. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, I just broke my streak. Um, yeah. Because this, this book was... The, the premise was great, and it was not from one of my indie authors on Twitter. Don't worry, guys. Your books are still safe. It's fine. <laughs> but, you know, it was a book that I had gotten, I think, off, like, BookBub, like, a couple years yeah. ago. And the characters were one-dimensional, and it was no. And... I did finish the book. I was determined to finish the book because the premise was good. And it had that nice little twist at the end that you didn't really see coming. Yeah. But I need my characters to feel like real people. Right. Even if they're fictional people in a made-up world, I need them to feel like if I met you on the street, I would know who you are. Right. Kind, kind of thing, you know. Um, okay. So we have two minutes left. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I know. It's been, an, it's been an hour. It was a very fast hour. Um, is there any last words that you want to give the listeners? Um, yeah. I, the, the, the book isn't for everybody. The, this one is dark. This is the book. This is my catharsis, letting go of being bullied and some other stuff. And the story just came out from nowhere. So if you read the book, understanding that, that it's somebody fighting back against what they probably perceived as odds they couldn't beat. And then just going down that journey too far, you know, understand some of the darkness that's in it is on purpose. And I want you to hate the bad guy. So much you understand what the not so bad guy's doing. If you read it with that eye, I think it changes the way people will view it. I have I haven't gotten any bad reviews yet. Good. They've all been four and five stars so far, but I know they're coming. It's there's bad language, there's 
brutal, brutal violence, and that's only going to get worse in book two. Um, there's some even worse stuff, but read it understanding the idea behind it, and that in books four through six, the hero's coming. So Woo-hoo! I'll leave it. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for visiting with us today and letting us hear about your book and your life and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I will see you on Twitter. Thanks for the time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.